welcome. It's Eric Erickson. Yep. Face for radio, a voice for print. You're stuck with me. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, those of you on the phone, I will get to you. But there's some news happening. Uh, just hit the wires. I need to talk about, and, and I got to get into this Ukraine situation. I should have talked about it last hour. But um, I, um, former president. Donald Trump's political operation is plowing cash into Georgia's Republican gubernatorial primary. His organization's first major financial investment in a midterm race and an indication he's willing to dig into his massive war chest to defeat his foes. His Save America PAC has transferred $500,000 to a super PAC devoted to defeating Republican Governor Brian Kemp, whom the former president has targeted over his refusal to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. Those close to Trump's political apparatus describe it as an initial cash infusion ahead of the May 24 primary. Now, the problem here uh, in this race, and this one is much watched nationwide, because it looks like even the Secretary of State in Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, is leading in the polls, and Trump is committed to beating Raffensperger, Chris Carr, the Attorney General in Georgia, and Brian Kemp, and it looks like uh, Trump could lose all three of those races. And that's to start out his vendetta, the, the 2020 vendetta campaign. The problem here, though, is that Kemp and his allied groups right now have $11.4 million worth of TV ads alone reserved, and the Purdue forces only have $2.7 million. So a $500,000 infusion brings it up to just over $3 million versus the existing $11.4 million, and that number is going to go up too. Uh, it, it, it's pretty notable that, that this is happening, that the Trump campaign wants to beat him uh, behind the scenes uh, it, it doesn't just appear that the Purdue camp is struggling. It appears that Trump is starting to think it may not happen. Uh, he said in an interview, it's hard. It's very hard to beat because they have a lot of money behind them. Everybody's giving them money. We'll see what happens. It's hard to beat a sitting governor. Uh, we will see. Now, I got to talk about Ukraine. I'm going to try not to be angry. I try not to let stuff bother me. This one's starting to bother me. Our president, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, went there. Words matter. You know, words do actually matter when we say things. I mean, we can provoke people to act or to not act. I mean, you listen to the the crazy rhetoric from either side. It can inspire the fringe masses to to act in various ways. Um, it is something when the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, uses the word genocide, and Joe Biden has used the word genocide to describe what's happening in Ukraine. Y'all, listen. I'm going to I'm I'm going to tone it down because you may have kids with you. Or you may not have I don't have the stomach for it. I don't like to watch gory stuff, blood and violence. I don't like it on TV. I don't like um those shows. I tend to great thing is with so much streaming now, you just fast forward through it. I, I don't like to watch it. I don't want it in my head. 
But I've seen the images, the hands sticking out of the ground from the mass graves, the bodies with bags over their head and bullet holes that go through with blood stains on the bags, the buildings with bodies buried underneath them as the buildings collapsed, and now reports of chemical weapons used in Maripol. It is genocide. The Russians have decided to exterminate a people to take their land. It is. It is genocide. And the president has used that word. If I could talk to the president of the United States right now, I would tell the president how disappointed I am in him. If I could talk to the president of the United States right now, I would tell him, Mr. President, you are the leader of the free world and your words mean things. You first said there needed to be regime change in Russia, and then your administration walked it back and said you really didn't mean it and you were just declaring your moral outrage. Now you're willing to use the word genocide, and it is genocide that the Russians are doing, but you, sir, in your choice of words, they conflict with your actions. According to Fox News, in an about-face, a senior U.S. defense official says the Biden administration is no longer planning to send Ukraine MI-17 helicopters, despite notifying Congress yesterday it intended to do so. If you believe it's genocide, Mr. President, and you said it, those are your words, not my words. And that's a bold word to use because the use of the phrase genocide has consequences in international law. And you used it. And if you believe it, why aren't you acting like it? Why are you willing to use the word genocide, Mr. President? But you're only willing to take half measures. When asked yesterday... Mr. President, have you seen enough evidence to declare genocide in Ukraine? The president responded, yes, I called it genocide. It's become clearer and clearer that Putin is trying to wipe out the idea of even being, being able to be Ukraine. Why are you continuing to collaborate with the Russians on an Iran deal if they're committing genocide? Why are you not willing to send heavy arms to Ukraine if they're committing genocide? Why are you not allowing those aircraft to go to the Ukraine if you think it's genocide? Why are you not allowing a missile defense system, an air defense system, to go to Ukraine if you think it's genocide? Why are you not willing to do a no-fly zone if it's genocide? Why shouldn't you put U.S. troops or ships in the Black Sea for a permanent military presence for NATO if you think the Russians are committing genocide? Why are there still tariffs on Ukrainian steel if you think the Russians are committing genocide against them? Why are we still supporting the European import of Russian oil and gas and coal if the Russians are committing genocide? Why are we buying Russian uranium, which we are doing? Why are we allowing the Russians to sell uranium around the world? If they're committing genocide, Mr. President. 
Neville Chamberlain said there would be peace in our times within days. All of Europe was at war and the Battle of Britain would soon begin. Hitler was committing genocide. Don't be Neville Chamberlain, Mr. President. Don't be Neville Chamberlain. The Chinese are engaged in genocide in China. We turn a blind eye there, too. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. Here, though, we're not at war with China. We're not technically at war with Russia, but we have chosen to help a country that is at war with Russia. And we've declared our support of that country, but we're not sharing real-time intelligence. Still, we're not sharing real-time intelligence. Uh, Republicans on the Senate Intelligence Committee are clamoring for the United States to so, uh, give more real-time intelligence to the Ukrainians so they can position their troops. We know our intelligence is so good. We know our intelligence is so good that, in fact, there are propaganda accounts on Twitter trying to cast doubt on American intelligence claims. Our American intelligence claims are so good that propagandists are using social media to cast doubt on our intelligence. That's how good our intelligence is. The Russians are having to use voices on Twitter to try to cast doubt on it and claim we're making stuff up. We've made up so much stuff, we knew the Russians were going to invade. The French intelligence minister had to resign because they thought the Russians wouldn't actually invade. We got it right. We got it right that the Russians were trying to get the Chinese to help them. In fact, the Chinese have now uh, sent arms to Serbia that can be funneled up through to Ukraine. We got it right. We've gotten it right that the Russians have lost a number of senior uh, military officials in Ukraine. We've gotten it right that Vladimir Putin is isolated. We've gotten it right that Vladimir Putin thought was thinking of using chemical weapons. In fact, now it appears they have. We've gotten these things right. You've called it genocide, Mr. President. Why won't you act like they're committing genocide when you say they're committing genocide? Words matter. Words mean things, Mr. President. You've said this yourself. Where are the actions commiserate with words? You don't just be the president of the United States and say genocide. You, you, don't, you don't do that. If you're the president of the United States, you don't call for regime change in a global nuclear power. And yet you did that and you had to walk it back. You had to walk it back and say, well, I was just expressing moral outrage. I didn't actually mean for a policy of regime change. And then you had your sycophants of the press come out and say, oh, he actually did. He just can't really say it, but he meant it. But he walked it back. He's not walking back genocide. If the president of the United States is not going to walk back a claim of genocide, then he needs to act like genocide is being committed. And if he's going to act like genocide is being committed, he needs to expand uh, liquid natural gas exports from the United States to Europe and coal exports to Europe so that they're not having to be relying on the Russians. You need a Berlin airlift of American energy resources to Europe to wean them off the Russians and shut down that Russian transmission. If they're committing genocide, you need to stop allowing the Russians to sell wood and uranium around the world as energy products. 
If they're committing genocide, you need to send heavy offensive weaponry to Ukraine so they aren't just defending their cities. They're actually going after the Russians to drive them from the country to stop the genocide. If you say they're committing genocide as president of the United States, you damn well need to act like they're committing genocide or don't say it. And you're not acting like they're committing genocide. Words mean things. Words mean things. And it's alarming to me. We still have tariffs on Ukrainian steel. We're still allowing the Russians to sell uranium. We've walked away from the Black Sea. Even the French pulled their fleet out of the Black Sea, even as observers. We're not sending helicopters like we said yesterday we would. We've blocked the transfer of MiG jets. We're not sending missile defense. We or missile defense systems. We've slowed the rollout of tanks to the Ukrainians. We've done everything possible to act like we don't really believe there's genocide happening. We've certainly done nothing to prevent it. That causes our moral credibility around the world to collapse. Mr. President, you said the Russians are committing genocide. What are you going to do about it other than talk? Do you know when I started out and could get nice quality sheets, I just thought I'm going to get a high thread count sheet. And if I get a high thread count sheet, it's going to be a really good sheet. Boy, did I learn that's not true. It's a myth. Boland Branch, however, uses the best 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. You can get a really good high thread count sheet, but if the underlying sheet is, well, crap, um, it's not going to work for you. Boland Branch, however... My gosh, their sheets aren't just buttery, breathable, and impossibly soft to start, but they have the sign, the number one sign of a really good sheet. The more you wash them, the softer they get over time, and they don't tear up. They just get soft. It's perfect. You can try Bowl and Branch to the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They're th so luxurious. They're beloved by three United States presidents. And they've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. I'm one of them. I love my Bowling Branch sheets. You can feel the difference the moment they come out of the bag. And every wash, it's just, man, they just transition to softer and softer. They're fantastic. Right now, get 20% off site-wide April 11th through 17th, only at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com for 20% off site-wide April 11th to April 17th, BolinBranch.com. Hello there. Uh, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, I want to go to Bruce, who's been waiting very patiently online. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing good, sir. Long-time caller, short-time listener. Uh, <laughs> question, I, question I got is I heard this morning that Biden was going to go to the farmers about making corn to help for fuel well what about him and the democrats right now that is putting all of this on the farmers about mow your crops don't crop if we catch you doing any of this we are going to quadruple your taxes so don't do it and now he's saying he's wanting farmers to grow stuff 
Yeah, you know, it's it's a weird reversal here. And I think a lot of people don't understand. Uh, and, you know, I didn't used to understand. I just think you, you plant corn, you get corn, and then you eat the corn. And what do you do with leftovers? But you actually, you plant different corn for ethanol than corn that you eat. It's it's a different corn. Correct. And they've been, at first, they've been wanting a lot of, um, of farmers to not plant fields or to do soy crops uh, that can be sold globally. Uh, now they want to subsidize farmers rapidly shifting to ethanol, which, by the way, is terrible for small engines in particular, but also for your vehicle yep. engine. Uh, they've admitted, in fact, in his speech yesterday, Bruce, Biden admitted it probably won't actually do much for the price of, of gas, which is absurd. Uh, and, by the way, the environmentalists who don't want us to do oil and gas don't like us doing E15 in the summer because it contributes to smog. And so they're going to sacrifice on that point. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. Um, it, it, what they're doing here, I just, I, 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 here's, here's what I think. If, if I'm honest, Bruce, thanks for the phone call. If I'm honest, here's what I really, truly, and by I'm, I'm, I don't say stuff. I mean, okay, I. I will say things I don't believe and tell you I'm being flippant or don't really believe it. I get accused oftentimes of saying things um, because I'm getting paid, because I'm, well, y'all should know if you're a regular to this program, I very frequently collide with my audience and tell you things uh, that I think that you don't think, and we have to agree to disagree. I will never tell you something I don't believe in and and pass it off as something I do believe in just for the heck of it. I uh, here's here's the problem. This is what I truly genuinely believe. I truly genuinely believe the Biden administration doesn't want to do anything to solve this problem. But they know they have to look like they're trying for political expediency. The Biden administration truly wants gas prices to be high. The Biden administration truly wants you to suffer pain at the pump, regardless of your income, whether you are rich or poor, because they think if you are poor and suffering pain at the pump, you can be pushed into public transportation and Congress can be pushed to subsidizing it to get you out of your car. And if you are rich, it will incentivize your conversion to electric vehicles. They do not want to solve the problem. They would love for this problem to fester but they know that for expedience sake to save the Democrats at the ballot, they must look like they are doing something. They must act in a way that does not generate favorable results for you, but looks like it will generate favorable results for you all in the name of saving their majority in the Senate. I don't think the Biden administration cares one bit about you suffering high prices for gas. They hope you'll go buy a Tesla. I, I'm not telling you that because I think you believe it. I'm telling you that because I believe it. If the problem festers, it will incentivize more public transportation subsidies because poor people won't be able to fill up their car. They'll have to take the bus. That'll get cars off the road. And those of us who can afford it will have to get rid of our gas guzzlers, our SUVs, and go for battery-powered vehicles. It's all part of their plan. They've been wanting this for a while. They have incentivized it. They were hoping they could do a slow roll of higher and higher prices over time. 
They were hoping they could get the Build Buy Better plan and subsidize more mass transportation. They haven't been able to do it, but they will go with the high prices because they are religiously convinced of the necessity of doing this to save the planet. They are religiously convinced of this. And on the downside, we have a famine coming globally because of wheat not being planted in Ukraine. And instead of planting corn that could offset it or wheat here, they're now having to incentivize planting corn for ethanol that we can't eat that will go in our cars and do no good. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I just, I want to say something respectfully. Uh, I wasn't going to bring this up, but but I think I need to, given a number of emails that I have gotten and, and some calls that have come in. Um, some people have convinced themselves the reason Joe Biden is doing nothing is because the Russians have dirt on Joe Biden. We've had people call the program who have said the reason Russia invaded Ukraine is because the Ukrainians had dirt on Joe Biden and um, Hunter Biden. And we those callers that uh, the Ukrainians had dirt on Hunter and Joe, Joe uh, my question to them was why then, if that's the case, why didn't the Ukrainians dump all the opposition research? And why didn't they do it when Trump was president to forestall um, Joe Biden's ascendancy to the presidency? For those who think the Russians have dirt and that's why Joe Biden isn't doing anything, uh, why didn't the Russians dump it when Trump was president? Where Was he not helping Trump like the Democrats thought he was actually helping Joe Biden? He's hanging, dangling something over Joe Biden. If that's the case, uh, why is Joe Biden working to undermine the Russian currency? Why is Joe Biden actually uh, blockading much, uh, outside of energy, much of Russian exports? Why has Joe Biden stopped taking Russian oil in the United States? Why has Joe Biden allowed Congress to pass a law prohibiting the import of Russian oil? Uh, Why is Joe Biden sending any arms at all to the Ukrainians? Why did the Americans send drones to Ukraine that successfully helped kill a bunch of Russians and drive them out of northern and western Ukraine? You can't answer those questions because you're convinced that everything falls into your world and your orbit and not everything is about you or American politics. There's an entire world of 198 countries plus five other extra sovereign territories on the planet. Not everything is about you and American politics. Not everything is about your conspiracy theory. Not everything is about Joe Biden. Not everything is about Hunter Biden. Not everything fits into your world. And the harder you try to compress it, the crazier you sound. And I'm sorry. I'm not going to entertain the conspiracy theorists on this issue. 
There is genocide being committed in Ukraine by the Russians. They do not care a damn bit about Joe Biden. They do not think he's a strong American leader. And Joe Biden is showing himself not to be a strong American leader. And I don't have to entertain your conspiracy theories on this program so you can make it all about American politics and your dislike of Joe and Hunter Biden, who I don't like either, but I'm not trying to string cobwebs together to make it all about them and me and my hatred of them or my dislike of American politics. It's not always about us. Now I will move on. That one gets me aggravated. This is the week of Good Friday. And I'm going to step out from American politics and world events for just a moment because I'm actually fascinated by a story that's in the news today. This is from uh, Quanta Magazine. This is not about religion. You know, I'm not about to preach. I just, I'm fascinated by the story. But, you know, my worldview is my worldview, and I can't help think about it in that way. A wildly diverse, as wildly diverse as life on Earth is, whether it's a jaguar hunting down a deer in the Amazon, an orchid vine spiraling around a tree in the Congo, primitive cells growing in boiling hot springs in Canada, or a stockbroker sipping his latte on Wall Street, at the genetic level, it all plays by the same rules. Four chemical letters, or nucleotide bases, spell out 64 three-letter words called uh, codons, each of which stands for one of 20 amino acids. When amino acids are strung together in keeping with these encoded instructions, they form the proteins characteristic of every species on planet Earth. With only a few obscure exceptions, all genomes encode information identically, from the amoeba to the human, from the monkey to the mouse. Yet in a new study published last month, a group of researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Yale University showed that it's possible to tweak one of these time-honored rules and create a more expansive, entirely new genetic code built around longer codon words. In principle, their discovery points to one of several ways of expanding the genetic code into a more versatile system that synthetic biologists could use to create cells with novel biochemistries that make proteins found nowhere in nature. But the work also showed that an extended genetic code is hampered by its own complexity, becoming less efficient and even surprisingly less capable, limitations that hint at why life may not have favored longer codons in the first place. I'm fascinated by this story because uh, many scientists seem to like to play God. They want to create life. And, you know, you can create amino acids in, in a lab. We have seen, in fact, uh, through various um, chemical 
experiments over time. I remember one I had to learn about in college where they had amino acids and they regularly struck it with electricity and proteins eventually generated. And that's kind of the the basic evolutionary theory is that lightning and amino acids collided uh, and electricity and it developed proteins and those proteins over time came together. and Those proteins began to develop uh, reproducing life bacteria and that bacteria over time, over millions of years evolved and finally we get to human beings. The evolutionary theory. What I find interesting here is that scientists are able to create cells with new biochemistries that don't exist on this planet. Every living organism on this planet consists of 20 amino acids that are strung together in a uh, form of words almost, and they are three letters. And you put those three letters together and you form the entirety of the human genome and the genome of every other living thing. And now scientists can make them far more complex. And it turns out that they're actually far less efficient and that our world, whether you believe in a divine creator or evolutionary structure, is built on efficiencies. And the more and more efficient in the genome, you get down to you can't get down to two because you leave too much genetic information off the table and you can't have life. But when you get to four, you can have much more genetic information, but it becomes so complex, it bogs itself down, becomes less efficient, and it dies. I am just struck by the efficiencies of nature. Now, you know, I I do have a Christian worldview. This is Holy Week. I've been interviewing a number of pastors uh, uh, for Friday. You know, so I've always done a good Friday program. And in the past, I've done it recorded, and and I'm actually telling this as much for Jim, who's listening right now, who runs the board as I am for everybody else. In the past, I've just recorded it because I tend to get emotional. Um, Some of it's painful to deal with, but I feel like me oversharing my life oftentimes helps people in large part because there are people going through hell on earth and you need to know other people have as well. And we tend not to as people share these things publicly. So I do. So you at least know there's somebody out there who has gone through something similar. But uh, last year I interviewed Tim Keller, who is dying. He has pancreatic cancer. And he wanted very much to be with me this Friday, and he's in chemo, and he can't uh, do it. Uh, So I have been recording some interviews to play on Friday. I'm going to do it live. We won't have as much music this year because I'm doing it live. And we've got more and more radio stations, some of which can't pay the fees if I play a bunch of songs. So I'll do it live, but I will play some pre-recorded interviews. I didn't want to ask any preacher to be with me live on Good Friday. They, they need to be with their congregations. So I've interviewed a, a friend of mine, Eric Reed, who's been on the program before. His son, Caleb, was newborn and had tumors in one kidney. The doctors accidentally removed both kidneys. He was two months old. And Caleb grew up with kidney transplant and was a healthy, vibrant child and played with his friends, was on the Xbox, played sports, and at 15 got fungal meningitis, had a massive stroke and died at 17. So I talked to his dad who wrote a book on 
overcoming anxiety. And and we had that conversation this morning. And I'll, I'll play that for you on Friday. I, I talked to Ed Litton. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, I, I had all these Presbyterians lined up. And I thought, my gosh, I'm in Atlanta and Georgia. I better get some Southern Baptists. So I did. Uh, so I got Ed Litton. And, and I asked you, I'm, I'm asking everybody a question. Uh, how, what is Easter personally, how does Easter personally impact you? And Ed tells the story of his father who was an alcoholic. And his marriage was crumbling to Ed's mother. And Ed's father asked Ed's mother to please, if she wanted a divorce, that's fine, but could she take him, please, to hear this speaker at a revival? And Ed says he saw his father get down on a knee, an alcoholic, and came up to never have a drink again. The power of the gospel. I've got uh, Scott Sauls, who actually I've, I've been critical of in the past, and, and um He's actually written a book I really like. And Ligon Duncan, who's the Chancellor of Reformed Theological Seminary, they'll be joining me as well. And uh, I'm, I'm scheduled to have those interviews tomorrow. But what, what I'm, I'm fascinated by is we live in a, a world that is a pretty complex world. But oftentimes, a lot of the explanations are very simple. And I'm not talking theology. I'm just talking efficiencies and, and, and simple. And here comes the story of the scientists who can create cells with novel biochemistries with additional genetic code. And it turns out that the additional genetic code makes the overall genetic code so complex and inefficient that the whole thing collapses on itself. Nature or God, however you want to look at it, has, has made a, a very complex system using very simple tools. And we, in our lives, and this gets to the people looking for the conspiracy theories, we didn't intend to head this way, but I'll, I can wrap it all up this way. A lot of people try to overly complify, complify, good Lord, complicate things. They make things far more complex than they are. They have to string together novel theories and tie together different stories. And, and part of it is because the world is so simple and so complex at the same time. We sometimes have to process the world in ways that make it even more complex than it already is in order to satisfy our curiosity and our mind and our way of viewing things. And oftentimes there are very simple explanations. It's why um, so many people um, rely on some of the logic devices of taking the simplest explanation Oh, what do you call it? Occam's razor. Usually it's the simplest explanation. Usually it is the simplest explanation. And it goes right down into the story with our DNA. Four chemical letters or nucleotide bases spell out 64 three-letter words called codons, each of which stands for one of 20 amino acids. When amino acids are strung together, they form the proteins of each species. And with a few exceptions, all genomes encode identically in the same way. And when you add more to it, the whole system becomes unstable and collapses. Nature or God made it as simple as possible to form life and made life in a genetic genome that we can read as simple as possible in its coding. I used to be a computer programmer in a former life. The simpler the computer code, the better. You can have vast, vast, complicated computer programming languages and vast, vast, complicated computer code, but you try to keep everything as simple and efficient to root out the bugs. All of our life is like that. 
And we, by habit and design, because our brain is so simple and yet so complex, we oftentimes want to complicate life in general. Sometimes it's not because someone has dirt on the president of the United States that's keeping the president from acting in response to genocide. It's because the person who's invading the country wants the land. It has nothing to do with you or me. Okay, this is important. Uh, I should have done this last week, and had we not had COVID come through the house, I would have, and I just didn't think about it. Would have been perfect for last week with the Masters. I'm going to send out a recipe here in about five minutes. Uh, It's going to be pimento cheese, and I'm going to send you actually three recipes uh, because my wife's family has a recipe they use, and it is the unbelievably easiest recipe ever. My family has a recipe that I grew up eating that my wife doesn't consider pimento cheese because she's convinced that her dad's recipe is the only recipe to eat, and that's the one we eat. But this is the one I grew up with. And then there's a trendy one that you actually use with cream cheese these days. Um, the one that I use, that the one that I grew up eating is pretty close to the one they serve at the Masters. Um, they're all fine. I usually eat them actually with Frito scoops instead of in a sandwich, but either way. So I'm sending that out. If you want the recipe, if you want to sign up for the list, text the word recipe, singular, not plural, singular recipe at uh, to 33777. Text recipe to 33777. You can sign up for the recipe list. Uh, you get a recipe every week. You'll get this one in about five minutes. Now, I want to go to the phones. I'm going to go to Ron next. Ron, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. So um, this pain at the pump thing, what does Biden think that commercial airplanes and military aircraft and armored personnel carriers and tanks and whatever travel on? They're not electric. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, don't I mean, understand this is my this frustration. Pain, pain at the pumps thing. We're not actually going to get rid of it. I don't know if you've seen airline prices, Ron, by the way. I was pricing a, a – Oh, I, trip, I have. I, yeah. I, I'm flying to California. It's, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it is. Yeah, Charlie, close your ears. So I was looking at a trip to Vegas in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, uh, if certain things go well in my life lately, I, I'm going to have to take a trip out there just, just to, to blow off some steam. But I was shocked at the prices. Um, hotel prices have gone up for sure, but airline prices are nuts right now. And I mean, even if we were, were and, and so, you know, their theory actually is that if you and I all go buy electric vehicles, if the production is the same, uh, it'll lower the prices for planes and for, for military vehicles and like, which but is it, nonsense. It won't. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely it is. ridiculous. And um, good luck sitting your electric Hummer. Yeah, go ahead. Um, my other question is, if the, the Republicans uh, take back the House and Senate, which more and more people are projecting towards leaning that that will happen, will it be possible to introduce something to give back to leases or the expiration or production of, of gas and oil? Or is that something that the president only has the power to, to, to do? Well, so Congress could try, and I hope they will, but then the president could veto it. Um, and if the president vetoes it, um, I don't think you got the votes in Congress to override it, uh, even with some of the Democrats willing. I think what would have to happen is you're going to have to get the um, – that you're going to have to get a Republican president and a Republican Congress. And, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, there's mm-hmm. growing freakout, Ron. So. Yeah, uh, th- thanks for that. There's a growing freakout on the Democratic side where if the Republicans pick up uh, Nevada, New Hampshire, Georgia, and Arizona this year, and they hold all their existing seats, which they're likely to do, uh, they very likely are on track for a filibuster-proof Senate. 
in two years. Uh, even the Democrats acknowledge publicly that they will not be able to hold the Senate in 2024. If Joe Biden gets a majority vote for president in 2024, the Republicans will still get enough votes to get a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate uh, if everything goes right. Now, things could go wrong, but they're starting to freak out about that. Question is, who wins the presidency? It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. you got the economy. you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.